Hey, Gan. How's it going, Job? Hey, I just got a quick question for you, okay? All right, lay it on me. All right, in our existing universe where, you know, things are true, like 2 plus 2 equals 4, and mm -hmm. the sky is blue, mm -hmm. right? Those things, like, you got, you got a, lot, a big, objectively true things in the world, things that are grounded. Is this a cognitive test? Are you giving me the cognitive test? No, I just, like... I have it on good authority that that test is really difficult. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you know, I'll try my best if you give me the cognitive test here. Yeah. I may know that that shape is an elephant, but, like, but, but I'm not sure. You know, maybe it's not an elephant. Like, you know. And like all things that we know about this, <laughs> like 2 plus 2 equals 4, the sky is blue, gravity exists, Kanye doesn't release albums when he says he's going to. That's true. Um, a few days ago on Twitter, Kanye was like, on the new album, Friday, here's the track list. I wish that was all he said on Twitter a couple days ago. Yeah, right. Oh, God. It's been a, it's, we knew an album was coming because Kanye always does this when it's album time. Always does this shit. I mean, this time's a little different, but it's yes. Been a little crazier, yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know. I think I'm genuinely worried about the man at this point, because, like, regardless of how you feel about his work, whether you're a fan, which you should be, because he makes good shit. Um, but, I mean, I can understand how that could be a little difficult in the current era, because uh, Kanye is a nutbag and has said several insane things, and uh, even went as far as supporting Trump for a bit. Uh, yeah. may maybe as a meme, but maybe as uh, for real serious. But it's it's incredibly difficult to parse and know <laughs> for sure. We have no idea. Who knows? Honestly. But yeah, um, he in a, in a series of now deleted tweets, he was going on and on about how um, his uh, at least current wife. <laughs> Uh, Kim Kardashian and and I think uh, Chris Jenner were trying to get him to I think admit himself yeah and uh, Kanye has kind of historically been against getting help in any way and kind of pushes away this at all and he's very egotistical about it and at a certain point I, I kind of just like stopped feeling bad for him because he he just genuinely doesn't want help but he has he certainly has the means he's a very rich man to get it but he just pushes it all away um now granted i don't know how good the kardashians were for him in general anyway but uh that being said he's been going on a bit of a tirade and saying that he's gonna divorce kim because she was fucking meek mill i think maybe <laughs> question mark yeah i don't know they're all incredibly weird tweets that are hard to like get any real information out of because kanye is writing them in like a possibly manic state and they're very broken sentences and now they've like been all like deleted so but anyway in the midst of that he said he's gonna focus on the music he's gonna release his new album on friday um it is currently at the time of recording this friday it is not here he has a couple hours i suppose do you think it'll come out today, Justin? No, no. What the fuck? Absolutely not. Not even. Yeah, a, not either. a fucking chance. As soon as he said that, I was like, "Oh, album's coming out next week." It's Kanye. Next month, maybe. Maybe, like, like I said, 
Just as 2 plus 2 equals 4 and the sky is blue, Kanye will never fucking release his albums when he says he will. Never. Never. You can count on it. Look, he told us he's going to be late for that. He told us that on his second album. Okay. By the way, drop your fucking album, Kanye. Do it. (laughs) Somewhere out there, Logic heard the news and he breathed a sigh of relief and he's like, yes, now my album can come out with no major competition. And then Taylor Swift appeared behind him. <laughs> yeah. And, and said, Omewa Moishi Deru. And uh, all of a sudden, Logic's, uh, you know, last album has been obliterated from any discussion. Because, <laughs> hey, the new Taylor Swift, uh, it's a folk album, I guess. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm not big in, into Swift. Me neither. It's funny to me that, like, the the game of, like, dropping your album on the same date as somebody else and then they get obliterated is always interesting to me. Kanye's done it himself. He, he like, yeah. uh, he, he dropped on the same day as uh, 50 Cent, and that was kind of like the, the, the end of the 50 Cent, like, bling era in many ways because he was getting number ones every time he released an album and then... Boom. Kanye took that shit. Yup. I just want, I just want, I want to hear the new album so I can probably like it. Okay. That, that's all. My girlfriend's leg. Uh, uh, I did okay, it. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you finished that sentence. Holy shit. I tapped her on the leg, and now she's mad. <laughs> All right. Well, hi, welcome to the Get In Job Show. I'm going to interrupt Job. I'm going to take, I'm going to assume control of the podcast. Oh, from God. Him. I don't know what to do. I feel weird. Damn I don't know what's happening. Job. <laughs> How do you like it, bitch? <laughs> Fuck you, dick. <laughs> this is my bit. This is my belongs to me. Yeah, How well, like dare any bit, you take this from me? Look, like any bit, I can just repeat it, and then someone else will hear me say it, and then they'll repeat it, and then pretty soon, you know, you just give it like a year. Uh, your bit will now not be funny in retrospect. It'll be like a Borat situation. Fuck. Like maybe, maybe my wife was funny like at first, but then like every dad in the lunchroom said it at work. Dad in the lunchroom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> at school. Sure. <laughs> no, you know, it's like it's like that thing where like you know, it's something that could be funny, but it's been ruined for all time forever because too many people thought it was funny i don't know it's a weird phenomenon Uh, mike myers knows it well i assume (laughs) (laughs) yeah baby now that is the worst thing you could say now that you're now now our host uh why don't you uh tell us tell everybody what the show's about today huh let me guide you yeah so uh hi i'm jub 
I played Ghosts of Tsushima this week. It's uh-huh. a great game yeah. where you play as uh, Bubsy, the anthropomorphic cat. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he, he wanders around a large, colorful world. Uh, it's very polygonal. It's very sharp edges. He collects orbs. And uh, I don't know, Josby, you go ahead. I don't know what this bit we all, is. We, we also watched The Evil Dead. Yeah, we did do that, yeah. yeah. Now that's, that's usually what I, what I opened with, again, is the movie we watched. Oh, I didn't say I was a good host. God I just, damn. God damn. Yeah. I hope yeah, you we learned. Started our, uh, we started our new series. We're finally done with fucking Jason Voorhees movies. So uh, oh, now we get to, you know, finally move on to another fucking horror. Franchise. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, whatever. Little, I think it uh, gets a lot more lighthearted than uh, Friday by a wide margin. It's a lot goofier think, very fast. You, wait, you think Evil Dead's more lighthearted than Friday? It's goofier. Well, not at first. Not at first. Not even. But not even at like first. even like Evil Dead Two, gets like really fucking goofy. Sure, but we're not there yet. No, this one's <laughs> this one's still goofy. Please. You know, yes. It's it's the Raimi charm. I, it's goofy as fuck. It's true, but I also think um, it succeeds more as an actual horror film than it does a schlock B movie. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, a lot of the effects clearly have not like stood the test of time. No, but they were so very things, important. Things that were um, shocking in 1981 are not necessarily shocking now. Um, some stuff still is, if not more so than it was in 1981. But yeah. uh, it's it's interesting. I, I think this is genuinely probably one of the best horror films ever made. Yeah, 100%. I'll say it. This gun go high when we rank all our movies. Sure is. Uh, it, it'll at least be higher than Gremlins 2. Maybe <laughs> even higher than Gremlins 1. Who Maybe. knows? <laughs> I think, I think uh, most of this franchise is going to rank up pretty high for us. This is a good one. I'd have to assume. Um, now, here's, here's the interesting thing for me. Um, I've never seen two. Which is really? weird because it's like the most famous one. I've only seen parts of two. I've seen a lot of parts of two. I've definitely seen Bruce Campbell cut his hand off, and I, all the blood spurting around, and the deer head, and like all these like little like iconic bits. Yeah. But I've never seen the whole thing front to back. Uh, oddly enough, my introduction to this whole series was Army of Darkness, which I think is also the case with you. Yes. But um, <laughs> so that makes it even weirder that it starts like it does here but um i guess we'll get to that in a bit when we get to the part of the show where we talk about a movie yep but for now uh yeah i'm gonna like Ed hart was referring to earlier i'm going to talk about ghost of tsushima for a little bit a game i've been playing on the playstation 4 entertainment video game system it's exclusive to it mm-hmm. ghost of tsushima it's is exclusive yeah dude oh god i've heard that enough times because of the xbox conference exclusive yesterday oh god Ghost Tsushima is, uh, like, undoubtedly the most gorgeous game this generation. Easily. I could see that. Um, um, even on a what, regular what's PS4. competition, even? I don't know. Like, uh, the Last of Us 2. Um, God of War. So. Yeah. All, all the PlayStation games. You don't think, you don't think uh, Goose Games going to take that title? I do love... <laughs> what the fuck, I Justin? love the style of Goose Game. A game doesn't have to be graphically superior to be... <laughs> The best looking game. That's no, the thing. but I guess I guess uh, 
I would definitely agree that in terms of like triple A, big boy, big graphics, big money games, this game stands apart from the rest. Yeah. As being really, really, really pretty to look at. Which uh-huh. isn't surprising, considering we're at the tail end of the PS4 generation going into PS5. So this shit's going to look like what hopefully early PS5 games look like. And that's going to be pretty neat. You'd hope so. Probably not. <laughs> well, a lot of it's for direction, works. too. Yeah. So, that you means know. That's where this exceeds. Like, so The Last of Us Part Two is, like, graphically a more powerful video game. It's got better details. It it like has more like lifelike structures and character faces, etc. Mm-hmm. But it's the stylization of Ghost of Tsushima, the way the environments are done, the way the world is presented to you, which is what takes it over Last of Us Two. It has uh, the environment based on the island of Tsushima is amazing in how all the flora looks. How everything is flowing together. How the wind is used in the game to guide you to objectives. Yeah, that shit sounds cool. Uh, it sounds very Shadow of the colossus but, like, handled better. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what it reminded me of when I first saw it. And, yeah, it's, it's handled way better. Because it's very subtle. Like, you could swipe up on the touchpad to, like, make the wind, like, be, like, physically visible to you. But if you just look mm. at the way... If you just look at the way, like, the plants and the flora are flowing... Because all the wind moves in that direction. So you could just, like, use that to guide you instead of doing anything else. That's pretty cool. It's really, really nice. Um, you have, like, you have, like, petals and, like, 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 leaves and stuff that, like, flow around and fall everywhere in, like, real time. And they blow away when the wind picks up. And, and then there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, animals running around and foxes and bears. And it's all very, very beautiful. Can you hunt animals and stuff, or do you yeah. not kill the animals? You do hunt. Um, you can get okay. you hunt predators. You can get hides off of them and use them to upgrade certain things. Cool. Now this is a very, very video game ass video game. It is open world as fuck. It is I exactly. What you mean. Yeah, it's exactly what you would <laughs> think. Like think of like a like a Ubisoft game. It's pretty on par. In, oh, you're climbing sense. towers. You're not climbing towers. <laughs> But but there's like yeah, a, right. a million fucking things to do on the map. The map's big. I didn't think it was gonna be too big until I like got past the first major chapter of the game, and then the map like doubled in size, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Whoa. Okay. I love when that happens in games. Actually, it's a little overwhelming sometimes, but I like the idea of it. It's still probably like a quarter of the size of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So whatever. <laughs> that's that's like an exception almost. That that game's too big. Yeah. That yeah. Um, Odyssey and Origins are too big. It's ridiculous. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to do, and like any any of these games, like a lot of it's like repetitive ass shit to do. Like there's like over a hundred fox dens, where you like find a fox ah. and you follow it to like this little shrine. You pray at the shrine and you get stuff to upgrade. Like uh, what you get to upgrade? I'll upgrade your charm slots. You get like little charms that'll boost attributes, and it allows you to use more charms. There's outposts for you to take out. Okay, that's very Ubisoft. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a, there's... actually, that's very every game ever made. That's every honest. open world game now, yeah. and a lot of that was uh, Far Cry 3's fault. The game you're playing right now. <laughs> it's true. I don't know how much I'll talk about that this week. I might just wait till I I beat it. Uh, so I got other games I wanted to talk about last week to talk about. 
but we just talked about only Friday the 13th. Right. So, but anyway, yeah. uh, that game looks fucking gorgeous, man. Like, I can't wait to play it when it's not $60. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Because uh, it's definitely something that's up my alley. Yeah. Um, okay. And it's... something that I... It's something that I wish Assassin's Creed games were more like, because you know, it seems it's... like it takes itself more seriously and immerses itself in the world, while not being entirely historically accurate, mind you. But, well, neither is Assassin's Creed. It doesn't have to but be. Assassin's Creed kind of like, you know, I, I don't know how much they've dropped the sci-fi twist of Assassin's Creed, like the modern-day stuff, but honestly, I kind of like might prefer it if it was just taking place in the past worlds and you got fully immersed yeah. in whatever time period you're in. Yeah, I think and it would help now. We think we're that's over that kind of what's appealing to me with this. Yeah, and uh, it's it's really, everything about it's really interesting too. I, I even, I, I'm blanking the plot so far. You got, you got your boy Jin, who you're playing as. Very honorable samurai man. Mm-hmm. Gets uh, him, him and his entire family gets fucking destroyed by a bunch of Mongols. All so the other he's got rival a... clans. So you have the you have your island, which is like basically now tattered in pieces and occupied. And the Mongols, right? Yes, the Mongols. Yeah. And start to learn uh, that maybe fighting not so honorably is the way to go when you're this outnumbered. And spend yeah, a lot of the game wrestling sure. with that, where you know, like, that's like you, cool. There's a there's a character that that's like a thief that you travel with a lot, and she'll uh, she'll like. She's there to like teach you things about sneaking around and stuff. He's like, "Oh, but my honor," and then then you'll do it anyway. And then his <laughs> uncle will be like, "Uncle's his uncle will be like, I've heard you haven't been honorable. Be honorable." And he's like, "Oh, my honor." Then you'll go and like stab so more people. Is there some the back. kind of uh, is there some kind of system involving that, like like a good or bad kind of? Not that I can system? see, but it might happen later. I'm not sure. But yeah, there's okay. every encounter. You can approach either stealthily or walk up and hit a sh- hit like a, a challenge button, where you you just shout at them, be like, it'll be like, bring me your best warrior, and then I can bunch of monsters to come up. <coughs> Excuse me. And then you know, got to hold down the triangle button, and he's got his sword held on 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 his hilt, and then motherfucker will attack you and you release that shit, and really nice slow motion slice and blood splatting everywhere. And then you start like fighting them head on. It's really fucking cool. Nice. Okay. And like that's probably the best way to approach things in the early game, because you don't really have many tools at your disposal for stealth. But as you continue to level up, there's a little bit of RPG mechanics. It's incredibly light. It's like an upgrade tree, and that's about it. Okay. But as you're leveling up, you can unlock tools to use while you're in stealth. Ah, okay. So. You start unlocking, like, wind chimes that distract enemies, uh, smoke bombs to hide yourself when you get spotted, uh, black powder bombs that blow up on people, and you start getting all this stuff that makes stealthing around, like, much, much more appetizing. And okay. so the game kind of, like, because of that, the game kind of, like, naturally draws you to that path as you go on. Then, like, if you fuck up, you just hit the oh shit showdown button and then just fight everybody head on like I do. Okay. Like, whoops, that meant to do that. seems to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Totally meant to do that. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm loving it so far. I think it's uh I think it's wonderful. The game plays really solid. Um 
I'm not usually the biggest open world guy. We'll see how long this game kills my attention as far as, like, the open stuff goes. Right now, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I enjoy, like, fucking around in this world so much that I'm actually going around and doing a lot of the side shit. I don't know how much longer that's gonna last for me. I saw the map when it doubled, and then I, like, gulped. <laughs> but... Well, I mean, I guess, geez. as long as it doesn't triple. As long as it doesn't I, triple. If it gets bigger again, dude, no way. I'm just gonna charge through this story and call it quits. <laughs> It can't, right. If it gets any bigger than this, dude, I don't know what the fuck to do. It gets huge now. It's a big-ass game. Okay. But yeah, I love... What I love about... I think... I'm not even done with this game yet, but I think I like it more than The Last of Us 2. We were talking about a couple weeks ago. Sure, sure. Because... I mean, this is, like, a video game-ass video game. There's a there's all kinds of, like, fun little glitches that happen, and some of the characters sometimes don't move right when they're talking. It's not, like... It's rough around the right. edges, like like you'd think. Last of Us Two is very deliberate and and more cinematic, I would yeah, say. It is. It's incredibly yeah. cinematic. It's incredibly deliberate. It's straightforward, and like that's like a great thing to have. And like I don't mind that kind of thing for the medium as a whole. But man, it is actually kind of refreshing to play this video game ass of a video game. It's like playing Skyrim. <laughs> well, I mean, it's cool that like you know. While like Sony kind of gets this reputation that all their first party games are very similar, kind of third person games, and I don't know, I, I kind of disagree because there's a lot of difference between Last of Us Two and this. They're two major releases oh, yeah. for this year, hundred percent. Um, and then there's even more of a difference between like you know those and something like you know. I mean, I, I would say that maybe Ghost of Tsushima has more in common with Horizon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you know what? Is a bad first person. I mean, sorry, first party Sony game. Yeah, go for it, Justin. What? I know what it is. But go ahead and say. Played a little game. Well, and I mean little. And yeah. I mean little. <laughs> uh, game called uh, The Order, eighteen eighty six. Oh man. Ugh. So I don't know. Uh, I've always been curious about this game because it has this reputation where. It was a $60 title, and everyone complained that this game is, like, three hours long. It is not worth $60. There is no reason to play it again once you beat it. What a piece of shit. Yeah, I think I beat it when I played it back when it came out. Um, I was working at GameStop at the time, so I was able to check it out without paying $60. Bless. Good. <laughs> uh, and I, I think I beat it in about, about five and a half, six hours. Yeah, I could see that. It's That's tiny. probably how long it took me. And, and the thing is, it's, um, not like, it's not like it's like an open world game that only has like a six hour campaign. And then like, but then there's a bunch no, of shit No, it's to a do. linear third person shooter. Yeah, like. Very linear, not a lot of branching paths at all. And when there is, they only lead to like one collectible. And I, I went to all of them because I, I platted the damn thing. I got all the collectibles and shit. Yeah, of course you did. Um, well, it was incredibly easy to do. That's an incredibly easy plat to do. As long as you're following a little guide. Uh, to get the collectibles, you, you got it, basically. You might have to do, like, a bit of cleanup to get some kills and things, but... So, like, yeah, I don't know. This game got this reputation, and, and then just, like, slowly but surely, you saw that price drop. I think eventually they dropped the overall price of it to 20 just, like, forever. Yeah. It's 20 but it is older now, so that kind of happens with even the good games, like God of War is 20 now. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man's 20 now, I believe. Uh, but I bought it several years ago because I saw it on sale for literally 
a dollar ninety nine. <laughs> and that is, I was curious. That is the perfect like, price. This game was originally supposed to be sixty, and I see it has its defenders. Yeah. And like you know, I, I think the average score that I see it get is like six or seven out of ten. So that sounds worth two dollars at least. I've played worse games for more money. Right. Um. So I decided to get it, and then I forgot about it because it was really on the back burner. But you know, hey, we quarantine, and I was like, uh, <laughs> let me play this game now because I don't know wh- when else in my life I would ever want to play it or have the time to play it. Uh, now, granted, you don't need a lot of time to play it, but I would never play this game again. After beating it, God, no. um, Fuck. let me try to be positive for a brief moment. Uh-oh. I'll tell you what I like about this game. Um, the world is cool and original. I do like it. It's it's kind of like this weird concept of like the Knights of the Round Table, like like King Arthur legend shit. Um, they found the Holy Grail and they used it to become immortal. And their ranks have changed throughout the years, but they kind of use the, the, the classic titles that the knights had, like Sir Galahad and yeah. Sir Percival and shit, as kind of like titles. Like it's kind of like a James Bond esque moniker that they assign to knights. And uh, there's still knights in the year 1886 in like this Victorian era story. Um, you know, they mentioned Jack the Ripper and they mentioned the Americas and all these things that are going on. But like the thing that's really interesting is that they decided to have a supernatural twist and there are werewolves in the game. And upon uh, so <laughs> I like that idea that this it's a very fairly complicated world that you could tell that they thought a lot about. Um, they're not particularly good at fleshing it out. But I at least like the concept, and the concept lends itself to um, a lot of steampunky designs and some cool weapons. This game has really cool weapons. Um, that's probably my favorite part about this game. Uh, you literally meet Nikola Tesla, and he gives you cool weapons to use to kill enemies throughout the game. There's like a a gun that can shoot gunpowder with one button, and then you can shoot a fire blast with another, so it ignites the gunpowder and blows shit up. Yeah, it's cool. Um, that shit's cool. You get, like, a literal electric beam gun, like a real gun kind of deal, and uh, all kinds of cool stuff that, like, shouldn't be in the 1800s at all, but, like, yeah, you just literally have, like, a machine gun because it's, like, steampunk crazy alternate history, and that's fun. Uh, now let's get to the stuff I don't like, which is most of it. Um, first and foremost, the biggest disappointment of this game is it promises you that you're going to fight werewolves and you fight maybe like four. Yeah. Most of the time you're fighting normal fucking enemies, just dudes that shoot back at you. So it's really just a standard third person shooter without really any real elements to differentiate it from similar games except for the world it takes place in. Uh, Other than that, it basically feels like you're playing not as good Uncharted for most of it, as far as the gunplay goes. 
the werewolves are like really used sparingly and i'm not sure why the game could have used several more segments where there was other werewolves like i thought they were gonna up the ante and like you know hey maybe a werewolf would come attack you in addition to a lot of guys or maybe like the werewolf would have its own independent ai and it could attack the enemies you're fighting but also you that shit could have been really interesting but no you only fight the werewolves in little isolated segments where there's no other types of enemies and they're incredibly easy to dispatch you just shoot them and some of them you have this like weird uh fighting mechanic that happens where you're just like slashing at them with a knife and dodging it's like a mike tyson's punch out with a werewolf uh (laughs) but but not nearly as hard uh um and then i think I hate the story in this game. I yeah, really hate it. Dude, it's, it is um, so, it's like, super fucking, bland. Yep. Bare bones and shit. It, when it starts getting interesting, the game fucking ends. <laughs> it's clearly not finished. This game was clearly rushed. And the developers, uh, Ready at Dawn, I think they thought that a sequel was guaranteed. So they leave several plot lines hanging at the end of this game. But then you may notice that it's been several years since this game came out and there's no sequel in sight. And I don't even know if Ready at Dawn is owned by Sony anymore. So, uh, yike. Um, just to tell you how it, how it all works out, just so you can understand why it was frustrating. Um, so you play as Sir Galahad, uh, a member of the order one of the knights and eventually you uncover this conspiracy that goes all the way to the top and there's a um high-ranking official who is literally jack the ripper and nobody believes you because you were working with the rebel faction to find out this information and they don't believe that you're a good guy because you were working with the bad guys so they uh, they throw you in prison, but you escape, and eventually you are able to um, not defeat the main bad guy. I thought that's what it was leading to, but instead you defeat the guy who betrayed you in the Order, who is a werewolf man. You, you fight that guy, but that guy was like a lackey to Jack the Ripper. You do not fight Jack the Ripper. I believe that was left open so that they could address that in a sequel. But, uh, nope. No conclusion to this story. None whatsoever. Nope. Totally, um, we're supposed to set up a sequel, and, which will never come out, ever. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that bothers me about this game, and I have no evidence to back this up, but... So, the side characters are almost non-existent at certain points in the game. If you look at the box art, there's Sir Galahad and three other fucking characters. Yep. Um, One of them dies early on. He's kind of like your mentor dude, and it's the inciting incident that, you know, makes your character suspicious of things. But then there's also, like, his girlfriend character, who is also a member of the Order, and then his, like, friend, uh, the French dude. Um... And they're not very, they're, they're fleshed out early on, but then immediately dropped from the story as the character begins his, like, investigation into what's really going on. And he doesn't involve his, like, team 
Um, and it's not really well explained why. And they're on the cover of the game and everything. And, like, I honestly have to wonder if they were supposed to be part of the game. Because the game wasn't originally supposed to be single player only. I'm wondering if the game was originally in development supposed to be four player co-op. Yeah, that's what I Because around the same time that that old dude dies, um, you get introduced to a rebel lady who could have easily took his place and been the fourth playable character. Um, But instead, those characters just leave and aren't in the story anymore at all. All their threads are never really followed up on. They give them a couple things too, like the girl is really suspicious of Galahad and is the one that ends up like finding out that he's talking to rebels. Oh no, what a scumbag. And uh like she like, you know, is super pissed at him and like it, it's supposed to be tragic, I guess, because they were lovers, but like who cares? <laughs> It's never really followed up on. Like, after he goes to jail, those two never talk again. Uh, So there's no... Like, she never finds out that Galahad is actually good the whole time. Uh, The French dude does, and he, like, lets you go at one point, but then you never see him again. I'm really wondering if this was meant to be a four-player game at one point. I think so. But then they dropped it during development because it had to be rushed. And that's also when they deleted, I don't know half of the story and made it this four hour long game um tragic to be honest because this is a cool world and a cool idea but it's not utilized in any way that makes sense it's underutilized the cool parts aren't there as much because like there's no werewolves again uh and the lore of this world is kind of undermined by a fairly generic story that ultimately gets cut short. So, um, I don't recommend that game. Fuck that shit. Nope. Uh, I wouldn't recommend so, it to anybody. <laughs> Sony's first party titles, uh, can miss. It is possible. <laughs> They've been on a roll for a while, but this one sucks. They did not start off the generation in great shape. No, they didn't. They had, like, it, 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 Resogun. I don't know when it started, but, uh... Oh, 20, I don't know when the good streak started. 2015, I think, or 2016. Yeah. But I started playing a much better game, which is Far Cry 3. I'll probably talk about that next week, though. But, yeah. uh, hey, that game is fan-fucking-tastic. Fuck yeah, it I don't is, know dude. how I've went nearly ten years without playing it, because it's right up my alley, but... Damn. Uh impressive. It's a great game and, that shaped a lot of open world tendencies for the years to come afterwards. Yeah, I could see that. I think it's aged well though. Um yeah. it still plays really well. It's fun. Yeah. Do you got anything else you would like to talk about? I mean I've been playing um uh, I've been playing through the Halo games. I got so I, I bought Halo Master Chief Collection on PC. This this will be a quick one. I bought Halo Chief okay. Halo Master Chief Collection on PC and uh Alright, well Halo Infinite's coming out this year. I'm gonna play that. And mm-hmm. I'd like to. It's been many, many years. I'd like to just like read, like get get caught back up on Halo and like play through all the game's campaigns. Yeah, so I've been doing that. I finished Halo Reach yesterday. Did you start with Reach? Yeah. So I'm going in like canonical order. It's the order they were released on PC. Oh, okay. So I'm going Reach, then one, two, three, ODST four. 
Oh, is ODST after 3? I thought it was like kind of like before 1, even. Yeah, but it's not getting released. Oh, okay, because so it's like it's part not, of Halo 3 anyway. Yeah, so it's, like, it's yeah. not out yet, so I'm, I'm going to play it after Halo 3. Yeah, it's a weird outlier for the series anyway, but like it's still good, but yeah. I, I like it a lot, actually. I think it's really cool mm. because of how different it is, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to that when I talk about it. But uh, Halo Reach is a great video game. Um, mm-hmm. An excellent swan song to Bungie, Bungie's time making Halo, um, where they've like kind of f- when they really got everything figured out after Halo Three, and they're like they really could like make like an astounding game with with gameplay, story, and music kind of all intertwined. Okay, um, cool. I, I I love the the story of Reach. It's really cool. You have this you know this prequel. You're playing as a different Spartan. And you're like right when the Covenant first invades and fucks everything up, Planet of Reach, and it's just like I don't know. It's 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 a really sad game because you spend the whole time losing. Yeah, but it's really cool because it sets the it sets the events of Halo One in motion. Right, so well, much. You, make, uh, you gotta deliver the Master Chief or some bullshit. You gotta deliver Cortana. Remember. Oh right, okay. Yeah, you deliver Cortana to the Pillar of Autumn. Okay. And then the Pillar of Autumn takes off. Coordinates set towards the first Halo, mm-hmm. the actual Halo, and then it literally bleeds directly into Halo One, which is oh cool. So it's literally like Rogue One. Yeah, absolutely. It's that <laughs> except, idea, except like better. I assume. I like it a lot. <laughs> it, it plays tight as fuck. They they introduced the DMR as a weapon, which is think, excellent. Great gun, single fire, like a semi-auto, like assault rifle. Feels fucking great as fuck to use. A bunch of different abilities that are fun to use. Sprint for the first time in Halo, which got some people all miffed, but I think it's fine and like a natural progression of first-person shooters as a whole. Well, it's back in Infinite. Been in Halo Four and Five, like of course it's here. Yeah, for whatever reason, I saw people uh, having a discourse about being mad about that they're sprinting again. Um. I don't know why. Why wouldn't Master Chief run? Yeah. <laughs> well, there was an argument about like whether the gameplay of a first-person shooter is better when there's no sprint. It's uh, not. But, like, I, I, it Ooh. depends on what game you got. Movement options... Like, certain games would be maybe ruined by it and not be hard anymore, like I, old ones. I Your feel Dooms like... and stuff. Yeah, well, I feel like Dooms has a sprint button. Like, like, come on. I thought it had a toggle. Like, you could have, like, always run or something like that. Yeah, but it, it didn't exist like that for some PC. You held shift to run. Oh, okay. Well, so, you know, hey, whatever. <laughs> like, I it, don't know what people are talking about, been around about, forever. They're weird. They're, they're like, they want Halo to be, like, Halo 3. Slow as fuck. Just fine. I, I, I love Halo 3. It's, it's my favorite of the Halo games. But uh, it, it makes sense to sprint. Plus, having movement options is never a bad thing in a first-person shooter, ever. If they randomly introduced sprinting to Halo 3, it would just feel better. Yeah. Because if you're getting shot at, you can divert and change strategies, and it makes it like more interesting play between opponents. Like, I, I love movement-based shooters, though. I, I grew up like a Quake 3 Arena kid, where everything ah, is really okay. fast. So you're, like, you're going around like... You're constantly moving and changing positions and stuff. That's why I like like Titanfall and Apex Legends so much. It's because they're they're reminiscent right. of that era of video games. 
where like mm-hmm. you're you're moving around, you're jumping off walls, you're climbing up stuff, you're sliding, sprinting. Oh, that shit's cool. Yeah, no, it's really fun. And once you once you master that, it feels so fucking good. Also, Infinite looks like it may be slightly open world, or at least the the levels are going to be huge. So yeah. Yeah, you need to sprint around, man. What the fuck? The only thing... There's, there's a couple things that concern me about Halo Infinite. And that's pretty much all I got to say about Master Chief Collection right now. I'm just going to say this little tidbit about Infinite and we can move on. Okay. Um, we, we saw it for the first time uh, just yesterday from when we were recording this. And, and I'm very excited for it. Uh, need me some new Halo. Always love me some new Halo. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing now that there won't be multiplayer at launch. Oh, they confirmed that's not true. Thank God. Yeah, like literally a developer responded to that and said, nah, this is nonsense. Yeah, there's. So, I, I, uh, at first I was yeah. like, there's no way, because like, multiplayer is a staple of Halo. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who don't even play the campaign of Halo. They just play the multiplayer. You know, since like, even in the first game, like people would do like LAN parties with their Xboxes and shit. Multiplayer is a staple of Halo. You can't take that shit away. You, you, gotta, help, you gotta launch the game with multiplayer. True. Now, I wonder what they're going to do going forward. Are they going to fall into the Battle Royale trap? Do you think they do it? Yes. I do. But I don't... I think they will have all the other modes there, too. It won't be, like, the only thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, it'll be like a Call of Duty Modern Warfare scenario. I could like a see game mode. that not being available at launch. Yeah. I could. I don't think there's any way. If they do Battle Royale, it won't be available at launch. It'll be, uh, it'll be a thing that's released, like, four or five months later. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming, like, you know, Battle Royale's still popular, so... Still immensely popular, and, like... And, like, so, well, peop- well, some people might groan and roll their eyes at it. A lot of people would be super hype. Like, oh, here's, uh... Here's, you know, 50, 60 Spartans. In the single-player campaign kind of makes me think that that's definitely gonna happen right i think so too then you could definitely make the multiplayer maps that big too. so yeah you can make it unique too and that like there's covenant on the map mm-hmm. and like you you can like take you like take points that the covenant are having to get like good weapons and shit like that's where the power weapons are they're being protected by covenant and you come up you have to, you have to wipe out the, an outpost to get the to get the power weapons like a sniper rifle or a rocket launcher or something sure that would be super cool and you drop like 50 60 spartans on one map then you fucking do it. People would eat I that shit up. I would eat that, that shit up. could work. Yeah. I think you just make it a basic-ass battle royale where you just drop, like, a bunch of people on one map and you just have, like, the weapons littered around randomly. I don't think it would be as interesting. I think it's very yeah. easy. Like, the, the PvE aspect of Halo is such, like, a big part of it. I think if you incorporate that into the battle royale mode, it'll be very interesting. Something that they should do. Okay. Got anything else for me, bud, or are you ready? Uh, I, not really. I, I've been mainly playing Far Cry 3, uh, so I guess I'll just uh, talk about that next week. Let's get talking about a movie. Yeah, The Evil Dead. The Evil Deed, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're watching these. There's four of them, and, uh, and also, I suppose, I mean, I don't know. I'll watch some of it on my own. Uh, the TV show, Ash vs. Evil Dead, but I'm not going to have that be a priority or anything. Um, I watched one episode of it. It's okay. I, I, it's not fantastic or anything. Yeah. Um, but 
we'll talk about that more when it's more relevant because you know right now in this movie ash is a completely different character yeah <laughs> um because this one's uh more serious uh i love the progression of these movies where evil dead is like straight horror and then evil dead 2 is black comedy basically it's, yeah. it's like horror slash comedy 50 50 and then army of darkness is more like just straight comedy yeah it's very fun that progression is hilarious to me <laughs> but anyway let's talk about the evil dead 1981 horror classic uh went on to have a huge cult following and spawned one of the most well-respected and culturally significant horror franchises of all time with only four movies. <laughs> but I would still, I would still say that's true. Yeah. hundred percent. But, uh, but so how'd this happen though? Well, we got director and writer, Sam Raimi legend and star Bruce Campbell legend. Also legend. Uh, so they grew up together. They made several little low-budget, you know, Super 8 short films. Uh, they often made comedies, which doesn't surprise me at all, <laughs> given what they eventually do. Right. But uh, Raimi became interested in horror. Uh, he researched it in drive-in theaters, and uh, he aspired to make a prototype short film that he and Campbell would make, uh, designed to, you know, attract potential investors and buyers for a feature-length project. Uh, also collaborating on the short in the role of producer was a man named Robert Tapert, who met Sam Raimi through his roommate and friend, Ivan Raimi, Sam's brother, mm. uh, who also helped with the film. Now, the short film was titled Within the Woods and was made on a $1,600 budget. Nice. <laughs> super, super on the cheap. Uh, Raimi wanted to increase that budget to over 100 k and make a feature-length version of this short. So I haven't seen it. I don't know if you can find it or not, but Within the Woods is the prototype Evil Dead, basically. Uh, the proof of concept. Uh, so Raimi and Campbell asked anyone they could to invest in the film, uh, including their own family members. <laughs> this is a real, like, uh, tough production here, all things yeah. considered. Right. I, I love the story of the making of movie yeah there's so much uh, so that there's a there's a big old documentary about it that's really cool yeah i'll have to watch that i just looked up stuff online uh so Raimi, you know and campbell they're just like you know begging family members for cash here <laughs> and Raimi doesn't get as much money as he um because the more they looked at it the more the budget seemed to be bigger than they were it's gonna be more than 100 right. and they just they got what they got and they decided to just go get it done Go make the film. And it was set to be titled The Book of the Dead. It wasn't called Evil Dead at first. Uh, and, and this remained the case and, and like past the movie even being seen by people. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a bit. So the crew on the film was uh, almost entirely made up of friends of Raimi and Campbell. <laughs> yeah. With uh, Raimi, Campbell, and Tapered serving as producers. An ad was put out in the Detroit News for actors. Uh, Tom Sullivan, who was the special makeup effects artist for Within the Woods, joined the crew for effects. And he, in many ways, is like the main star of this fucking show. Absolutely. Boy, the effects in the Evil Dead are some fun shit. Uh, have they aged poorly? Maybe a little. Are they fun as shit to look at? 
Yes. Who cares? They were dude, that would they were huge for the time. Being able to do everything they did with those special effects on that budget was hugely inspirational for a lot of filmmakers. Yeah, I, I could see this movie being inspirational to just anybody trying to make a movie. Oh at yeah, hundred percent. Because like, like they just went out and did it, and it was very amateurish, but it ended up being a fucking classic. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of things went right for them. Um, like I said, they had some some like wonderful blossoming talent working on this thing. Mm-hmm. Like you got Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell alone. Like fuck. Yeah, they, they would go on to become you know Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> right. So usually, uh, when we talk about these movies, uh, I have a big, giant list of cast members. There is, but this movie has five people in it. That's it. Um, there's a brief cameo from Ramy and Tapert as like a- at the beginning when they drive past people and honk at them. Uh, I-, I wish like that's that's it. <laughs> that's the only other people in the full fucking movie. Um, so I'm just gonna list them off right now. Because we might as well just get into it. Um, obviously, we have Bruce Campbell as Ash Williams, the main character. Although, if you weren't familiar with that going in, I could see how that could be a bit of a surprise as you get a little deeper in the movie. Mm-hmm. He doesn't necessarily seem like he has main character energy or anything. No, uh, he's uh, he gets his ass beat. He's very much uh, kind of a coward through the majority of this yeah. film. And then you have uh, Ellen Sandweiss as Cheryl Williams. Uh, Sandweiss had previously worked with Ramey and Campbell on their short Within the Woods. Um, and she remains best known for playing Cheryl. Uh, most of these people didn't have big careers after uh, But she reprised her role in Ash vs. Evil Dead. I'm going to have to look into that and see how that works. I think as a Deadite version of herself, much like she played for the majority of this movie, actually. Uh, we got Richard DeManicor who is credited as Hal, Hal Delrich as Scott, the other dude, Betsy Baker as Linda, and Teresa Tilly, who is credited as Sarah York, as Shelley. Uh, I don't know why they were using pseudonyms. Uh, maybe they were uh, didn't want their family to find out they were in this movie with, like, you know, lots of blood and a raping tree in it. I, I don't Maybe that's why. Maybe, <laughs> I don't you know, know, just a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. So, um, I got lots of factoids, but I can kind of like bring them up as we go through the plot of this movie, I suppose. Sure. If you want to start doing that. Our movie starts off with our, uh, our entire full-blown cast driving a car, and we get, mm-hmm. uh, we get a really cool, uh, like, first-person ass shot, which is used very frequently in this movie. Kind of show yeah, you like a there's... commanding, like you know, very strange presence. It's 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 a it's the evil POV, right? <laughs> the POV of the concept of evil. Yeah, uh, basically. Yeah. See, so like it was something that confused me in Army of Darkness because this happens in that, but um, I there was no context for it within that film, so I was like, "What's chasing Ash in Army of Darkness?" But I guess it's just evil. It's the same thing that's going on in the first. Yeah. These POV shots. But that that doesn't have a proper setup within just Army of Darkness itself, I should say. Right. Yeah. Well, because it's it's like they expect you to know by now. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. My mistake for watching that one first. So you got. I was young, though. So you got our cast driving down the road here on their way on their way to the little vacay. 
And then, mm-hmm. uh, and there's, then there's a truck coming around on the other side of the road. Uh, it's got Lazy Mary on the front of it. It's a, it's a, it's a old ass red Ford. And Sam yeah. Raimi's driving it. What a cuck! Because he's driving <laughs> straight into these kids, and they're having trouble swerving out of the way because something's wrong with his steering wheel. This is Ash's mm. car. Yeah, it's a piece of shit. So he gets bitched at. He's like, "What the fuck's wrong with your car?" Yelling at the turn, turn. He couldn't turn until the last second. They scream. It's like. He's like, what's fucked up with your steering wheel, dude? And Ash is like, oh, I just got it tuned up. Like, oh, suspicious. Something's already going on, and it feels weird. And then as they're approaching where they want to stay, they get to a very rickety-ass bridge. They go to drive over it, a piece of it falls off. They have to drive over that. They're like, oh, God. <laughs> they're going somewhere that is clearly very old and not often traveled. Yeah, and I think that was also the case for the filming. Yes. Uh, so, so Ramey wanted to film in his hometown of Royal Oak, Michigan. However, uh, in asking states about, hey, can we film the Evil Dead there? Uh, a lot of them said no. <laughs> Probably once they heard about what's fucking in the content of the movie. Um, but Tennessee was the only nearby state to express uh, any enthusiasm for the project. So the crew found a remote cabin miles away from any other buildings and anybody else and uh, in Morristown, Tennessee. So we have a 13-man crew, and uh, this cabin here is where they fucking slept during the shoot. Oh, God, Um, this tiny-ass cabin. Yeah, with uh, fucking who knows what in it (laughs) from all the set nonsense happening. Um, The cramped living conditions... uh, led to several arguments and bad moods. Uh, really, this entire production went poorly. Uh, <laughs> as things ramp up and, and get hectic here in the plot, uh, you know, we get several cast members and crew members sustaining injuries during multiple, you know, stunts and things and, that are happening. Uh, medical assistance is, is pretty difficult to provide, thanks to this cabin being so actually remote. Um, several actors were accidentally stabbed and thrown into objects. Uh, Campbell injured his leg tripping down a hill. It's basically just the filming of this was an endless bad time uh, for everyone involved. However, uh, Ramey and, and Taper didn't help the situation at all. Uh, they purposefully tortured the actors a bit to get more genuine performances. Um, here's how Ramey put it. Quote, if everyone was in extreme pain and misery, that would translate into a horror. And as Tapert put it more bluntly, quote, he enjoyed when an actor bleeds, end quote. So, God like, damn. They're, uh, you know, they're probably going a little above and beyond in uh, helping everyone feel that they are literally in a horror movie, yeah. even outside of filming. Just, uh, they're, they're, they're living <laughs> in this shit. Which I don't really encourage this on set behavior at all. This is how, you know, just directors not caring about their uh, actors 
producers not caring about their actors and crew members and everything is is how you get shit like the fucking John Landis Twilight Zone thing to happen. Yep. I'm not saying Sam Raimi or Tapert are nearly that stupid or, uh, you know... Incompetent? Incompetent. Yeah. But, you know, they were learning, they were young, and they were dumb, and they somehow made this great movie <laughs> yeah. out of out of the hardships of everyone involved. True, truly, at some points, an act of God. Uh. I mean, like, on top of the injuries, the conditions were super fucking cold in that area. Uh, and eventually it got so bad, like, you know, once all the interior shots had been completed, the crew just fucking burned all the furniture we see in this movie. That's inside the cabin. They just burned all of it to keep warm. Uh, some actors went several days without showering uh, because, you know, there's several people staying in one cabin. I don't know if there's running water. Uh, tons of them caught colds. I mean, I guess Campbell probably put it best. He, he described the shoot as, quote, 12 weeks of mirthless exercise in agony. <laughs> Damn. Um, uh, he still said it was a positive experience that he looks back on uh, with a lot of fondness, but like, definitely at the time, it's oh, yeah. like Jesus, right. please no. <laughs> yeah, you had you'd have to look back at something like that fondly to work with Raimi again for almost the rest yeah. of his career. I mean, I guess it helped that Campbell and Raimi were friends, so like yeah. anything bad that happened to Campbell, like they were still tight uh, to the point where like eventually everyone left Cabin at the end of the shoot. And then Raimi was like, fuck, I, I need pickup shots. Um, we need to stay. And only Campbell stayed with them. So it was just Raimi and Campbell for like four more fucking long days of shooting. Damn. Some pickup shots and things. But yeah, uh, wild, crazy shoot. Super interesting, almost as interesting as the movie itself. Yeah, as I said, uh, like uh, a good compliment <laughs> to this. So, when, when if you want to watch this when you're done, I invite our audience to do it as well. I watched it a while ago when it came out. Um, okay, there's a whole ass documentary about this, and it's really fucking cool. Yeah, a lot, a lot of detail about how the effects were done and shit too. It's it's sweet. It's super sweet. I highly recommend that. I'm sure it's cool. It's great. You should watch it. So I'll look into it. We've arrived at our cabin already. Things are looking a little eerie. This cabin is run down as fuck. Got trouble going across the bridge. Everything's covered in leaves. Mm -hmm. Everything looks dead all around. Uh, goes to open the door. You got a nice little like a uh, nice little little breadcrumb planted of uh, having to reach up and grab the keys to open the door. Yeah, up in there and there's a true. bunch of different keys. They open the door. You got a nice you got a nice shot that kind of pulls back from the door. Over where you see like a deer head peering off, and very nice smoke effects. Yeah, making the place look dusty as fuck. Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> Who knows? It looks like a smoke. But yeah, I know. It was a dirty cabin in, in real life too. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, you could tell. That's what I'm saying. No, there's no yeah. way they they dirtied this. Tell. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is clearly an old, rundown ass cabin. Random shit all over the place. You can tell this place hasn't been inhabited for a very long time. Yes. I don't think we ever get an official explanation as to why, like, like they go to this cabin. Like, 
does someone own it? Is it someone's uncle's or something? I don't think they explain that at any no, point in this movie. they don't movie. explain it at all because it's not important. It really isn't, but it's that's interesting to me because you'll have similar concepts. Like, this is a very classic horror concept. Just a group of teenagers go out to a cabin in the woods. Lol. Uh, like, God, we just watched, like, fucking nine of these movies right. with, with our last series, Friday the 13th. But there was always at least some kind of, like, you know, this is my uncle's cabin. I, there's no fucking explanation for it here. Yeah. Which is interesting, considering what's in the basement. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so... How long has that been there, then? You can clearly mm. tell this is like a, like a hunter's cabin. There's a lot of like uh, carcasses and stuff everywhere, like a lot of horse heads, some wolf skins. Gun. Kind of like hanging around in a gun. Yeah. And uh, it gives me, gives me a little bit of Texas Chainsaw vibes, this cabin. Oh, well, yeah. I think the whole movie kind of does that. Um, yeah. Well, it, it, it takes heavy influence. It's, it's certainly filmed differently. It's not filmed like a pseudo documentary like yeah. Texas Chainsaw is, but it still has that, like, queasy, gross aesthetic to the whole fucking movie. And also it has the uh, aesthetic of uh, yelling really loud at you uh, and making you delirious as you watch it. Yes. <laughs> that horror quality is present. Right away, shit starts getting weird where I think this is Shelly, if I remember correctly. Uh, sitting by a clock and drawing it, and... Just, just you know, put yeah. up, up some arty shit going and then the clock just stops and swing mm -hmm. it back and forth it's still working and then it just stops solid wind blows outside and she's looking around and then suddenly something takes possession of her hand and she's scratching really hard and she's like freaking out because she can't keep control of it and it draws a book yeah with no other explanation and her hand looks fucking weird it's like a little gray for a second She's freaking the fuck out, and the wind's blowing super hard now. I didn't realize until this time, like, because I've seen this movie before, uh, that she was drawing the Book of the Dead. Oh, really? Because uh, I didn't know what it looked like until I watched this movie. Ah, okay. um, Or at least I forgot from seeing, like, I saw Army of Darkness, but I forgot what it looked like. So I was just like, why is she just scribbling a bunch? That's weird. Why is yep. she compelled to scribble? But no, it's like, literally, she's drawing the Book of the Dead. The Necronomicon. Then uh, attached to uh to the basement, like, rumbling and it stops. Really weird. And then you get this like really funny hard cut. I love this to like a smoothie being blended that's all red. That was good. That's a good cut. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. It's like a lot, a lot of like weird ass like foreshadowy shit. Yeah. Really cool. Now our entire cast is here hanging out. Having dinner, and then very suddenly, Ash to the basement just flings open. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, some kind of ghostly presence did it, I suppose. Yeah, the Official same thing. Answer. Yeah, <laughs> they could be getting tortured by some presence already, very early on into this film. Nah. It's the evil dead. That's, that's what's doing it. Yeah, we get a lot of shaky, they, like... They said it. Yeah. Get a lot of shaky, like like uh, low shots on the characters panning around as they're like asking questions about it, going like, "What the fuck is going on? Must be an animal yeah. down there. I don't know." And eventually, our uh, our Chad of the group goes down to look, and we get all these cool shots of like Campbell and the others like peering down, downward angles, pretty neat. Mm-hmm. 
and then they don't they don't hear from him for a bit. Campbell goes to see what's yeah, and the dude's just fucking it's fucking with him. Yeah, yeah, it's a really like musty, gross ass looking basement. There's water leaks, mm-hmm. real ass water leaks because cabin was fucked up when they got here. Well, yeah, got uh, the gun down here, and yeah. also so they find the table. You know, they find a table. It's been long abandoned, yeah. but they have a a gun that still works, and mm-hmm. and a, and uh, a very weird looking book. That's the same exact book that was just drawn. Yeah, bound in human flesh, got a face on it. Uh, lovely. Uh, you, you got a tape recorder and a tape too that they bring out. Yep, and a dagger um, that has uh, a bunch of skulls yeah. on it. It's freaky looking. Yeah. Um. Oh, also, in the background, you have a torn The Hills Have Eyes poster. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Which it just says, I think it just says Have Eyes. Like, it just, it's it, torn that It just far. says Hills Eyes. Hills Eyes, okay. Yeah, but you could at least tell what it was. Uh, cool reference to another fucked up horror movie. Oh, yeah. So that's, uh, Ash immediately gets really fascinated by this book as he's flipping through it. And drawings in it and a drawing of the Necronomicon itself. Well, they could call it the Book mm-hmm. of the Dead. This, but it's the Necronomicon. Yeah, they don't call it the Necronomicon by name at all in this one. Yeah. Probably because they didn't come up with that until later. Right. I assume. So now it, it gets dark outside and there's a storm happening and they decide to uh, the tape that they found downstairs with the tape recorder and it's, uh, it's an old man who uh, has been, been excavating in Kandar. Yeah. It's an archaeologist, I guess. Very interested in, in the occult. And so it talks about how... It gives you your backstory here of what this cabin is. This, uh, this man who... Uh, man got a, cultivated all this stuff. Decided to go to this secluded cabin. To get away from modern civilization and study it. Yeah. And... So it starts talking about the book and talks about how it was used to raise the dead. And, uh, starts chanting and shit starts going crazy outside. Yeah, lots of crazy fucking POV shots. Yeah, cool cool stuff of, like, uh, the, the ground coming up. Cheryl over yeah, here starting yeah. to freak out. Well, I, I, I understand. <laughs> None of the other characters do, though. They're like, what the fuck's wrong with Cheryl? Yeah, and then fucking tree just flies through the window. Bust that shit. It's been fun Damn, busting the window bro. in this cabin, bro. Good shit. Oh, you'll fucking hate <laughs> this place. And like the crew's like, fuck yeah, throw a tree through that shit. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> fuck. Although maybe they didn't like the fact that now that there's a fucking window leaking cold air into their fucking living I, space. I hope they shot this like one of the last things they did. Because like, yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ, they, they had to break a window straight up. So, like they could have just repaired it easy. Yeah, well, I mean, they broke several windows throughout the course of this fucking movie, so... Yeah. Man, I bet it was fucking cold. <laughs> Shit, no wonder. Right. Yeah. I, I... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the actual conditions of, like, like whether they, like, you know, like, owned the cabin now, or, like, they were just renting it, or, like, you know, because they fucking destroyed and trashed the place, so... I hope whoever actually owned it wasn't like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> You burnt all my furniture. <laughs> it was probably props and stuff that they brought with them, to be honest. But yeah. uh, who knows? 
Yep, and uh, we get, get, a, get a cute little scene here where Ash is uh, giving his girlfriend a neck, the nice little necklace. This scene becomes really not cute once it's re repeated later, uh, because you got this like uh, thing where he's pretending he's asleep and leaving his eyes closed and then yeah. opening them when she's like isn't looking. Yeah, and this is literally repeated, but with the opposite characters later, and in a much more sinister. Uh, circumstance. Yeah, this movie's got good setup uh, with stuff like that. It's really cool. Yeah, it's a lot of seeds. Mm hmm. Like artistically, it's it's really fascinating. Yeah, he gives it this nice necklace, and then uh, Cheryl, still freaking out, uh, notices something outside. Yeah. And, and uh, and her and her, her dumbass just like goes out and checks it out because we're in a horror movie. Mm hmm. And just walks out into the woods. Yeah, and here we, here we get like the, the 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 weirdest scene in the movie. <laughs> By yeah, far. it kind of stands out. Um, so so yeah, this is the tree rape scene. There's not really any getting around it. No. That's what it is. Yeah, it's it's very infamous for being weird. Fuck. Yeah, I, and I have to say, uh, this is the one scene that Raimi does say that he regretted years later. Yeah. Um, it's a scene which he and Tapered feel was too extreme and that they only did it for shock value. And uh, this kind of contributed to the film's like later reputation is like, you know, uh, they called them video nasties, you know, yeah. like little fucked up movies that are only interested in showing like tits and gore and get slapped with an X rating, which, which this movie did initially. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't really say it should be rated X like now, uh, <laughs> but you don't really see the X rating anymore anyway. Um, I think when you pull it up on Netflix, which is what I watched it on, it says it's rated TV mature, which isn't R, but <laughs> I don't really know what that means necessarily. I have no idea. Either. Um, I, I don't think they cut anything. Uh, as as I, I doubt know. it. I mean, this scene's still fucking in there, so... <laughs> right. But yeah, um... But I, I think it's it's at least interesting, and I prefer that Raimi has never done a George Lucas or a Steven Spielberg and, like, released a version of the movie without this scene. Like, he leaves it well enough alone. Like, it was part of it. There's no sense pretending we didn't fucking make it. Yeah. It's part of it warts and all this was the movie we made no need to you know no need to turn those guns into walkie talkies you know what i mean right <laughs> like what are you gonna do yeah it's not gonna Stupid fix idea the, anyway not gonna fix the reputation yeah. of the scene that's it yeah and, i think uh, when you do stuff like that it just makes it talked about even more to be yeah, honest i think so and i think good idea just yeah. like just uh, leave it alone don't bring attention you don't you, you like make it well known that you did you regret doing it but I don't like this scene just because it doesn't no. add anything to the movie. Um, like, she doesn't last much longer to, to, to spoil the movie. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't think she needed to be raped by a tree. I think she just needed to be infected by the evil and maybe, like, slapped with tree branches or something. Or, like, just just something evil could happen to her. It can be violent but it doesn't necessarily have to be raped with sticks like Jesus Christ. It's uncomfortable to watch. 
<laughs> yeah, very much so. But uh, she breaks free, and then the, the uh, our, our POV evil starts heading towards her, and she's terrified by it. She's sprinting back towards the cabin, falling yeah. over a bunch. I'm sure she got injured a couple times doing that. Oh, yeah, probably. And maybe even the people who were responsible for uh, running uh, as the POV. Oh, yeah. I guess that's a good time to talk about this. So, yeah, they made, like, several makeshift camera rigs. Like, this was a, you know, with wood, you know, that to, to uh, you know, help do things like Dutch tilts and things like these stylized, you know, demonic force POV shots. Uh, you know, this crew was too poor to afford things like a dolly <laughs> that, that most productions would probably have, uh, you know. So Raimi himself, in, in most cases, and then the crew members helped him for others held mounted rigs and sprinted through the woods to achieve these effects. Um, so literally behind the camera is Sam Raimi running <laughs> at, at full speed, jumping over logs and stones and I, how he didn't fucking fall and his brain leaked out in the woods is anyone's guess. Because uh, that's probably really difficult. Oh, yeah. Apparently it was further made even more difficult by the fact that like those woods were really super misty and hard to fucking see. I mean, they're having him run at, at night, you know, like that shit's gotta be fucking crazy. Let alone the actress also falling down and getting hurt too. Right. Uh, oof. Yeah. So call back to the door. She gets to the door and all it's locked. She has to fumble for the keys. Doesn't mm. know what's happening. She's freaking the fuck out, and eventually Ash just opens up the door because he's fumbling outside. And they let her in, and, and she she's freaking the fuck out. Yeah. I want to get the hell out of here. I want to get the hell out of here right now. Take me into town, Ash. Take me into town. He's like, well, but, I mean, I guess so. All right. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about? Let's go back to town. Mm-hmm. Takes her into the car. It won't start. And she keeps going on and on, like, about how, like, it's not gonna last, leave, but then it starts. He gives her, like, this kind of look where it's like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's funny. <laughs> you get, like, little hints of what Ash's character would become, and I think that that's entirely just Bruce Campbell himself. Yeah. Because that, that's kind of what they ended up extrapolating the character into was just, like, a kind of, like, unflattering portrayal of Bruce Campbell, the person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's worked out very well for him. Uh, in this movie, he's he's more of, like, a normal person. Uh, but there's little moments like this where he's like, bitch, are you for real? Looking at her. Just little tiny moments. <laughs> yeah, we don't get the, the tired of this shit, for, like, no. quippy Bruce Campbell until next movie. <laughs> We don't literally get to hail, hail to the king, baby. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's a little later. Mm-hmm. So they go to drive out, and uh, they go to the bridge, and uh, it's, it's literally folded up. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty not great. Oh. <laughs> can't, can't go out that way, and that was the only way. So, like, what do they do? Well, they just go back to the cabin. Mm. And so they just, just kind of, like, trying to... Trying to calm down a little bit. They're relaxing in the cabin. Ash is still listening to the tape. And he has, at this point, kind of become a little obsessed with it. He's got a headphone on, though. Yeah. 
got headphones yeah. on this time, so nobody else is freaking out listening to this weird shit. But that won't that will stop being a problem very soon here. Yep. Girlfriend Linda is like uh is kind of funny, is is uh getting cards shown to her and she's like, Oh I'm a, I'm, I'm I'm like psychic she feel like she's guessing it right and in the shot it's always the wrong card. Yes. So fucking funny. I love that. She got a good chuckle out of out of me that one. But then uh Well then then it gets then it gets real. <laughs> um Yeah. This is when the movie fully goes off the rails and yeah. doesn't come back. Yeah, now Cheryl over the cross the other side of the room, it just starts calling out the cards. Her face is yeah. turned towards the window, you can't see, and she's getting more and more aggressive in her voice. So I think her, um, before we get too deep into this stuff, I think her face is faced away from us for several of these shots. And I think this is a good time to talk about how Raimi shot this movie, utilizing stand-ins all the fucking time. Because uh, I, I think basically if the shot doesn't have to have the actor's face, uh, Raimi was using stand-ins if the actor wasn't there. Uh, a lot of the time he's using his brother Ted to serve as the stand-ins. Um, Ted Raimi would, of course, later uh, iconically show up in the Spider-Man movies as J. Jonah Jameson's, like, lackey guy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you could see him in all of those. That's Ted Raimi. Um, so, uh, the, just as a just as a bit of a segue, this has not a lot to do with Evil Dead, but I guess it does a little bit. So, Raimi called this technique "fake shemp." Uh, I've only known it as a stand-in throughout my life, but then I looked into what why it's called this, and it's actually kind of interesting. Um, so this is often called fake shemp, uh, as a reference to the three stooges. Um, now obviously like iconically the, the, the third stooge was Curly. And then when he, you know, unfortunately passed away, they replaced him with shemp who, if you're talking to people that like the three stooges kind of gets hated on a lot because, you know, he wasn't as good as Curly. Right. Right. But then he kind of suffered a weirdly uh, similar tragic death that they had to like, you know, and so Shemp died and there was four, I think three stooges shorts that they had to like finish production on. And they did this by hiring not Shemp, and uh, to be a stand-in for Shemp, and they would literally like cover his face or just show the back of him uh, when the, when necessary. And uh, like a very comedic example of a fake Shemp would be something like Plan Nine from Outer Space, where Bella Lugosi died early in the filming. So then you have that guy that's supposed to be Bella Lugosi's character, who is literally looks nothing like him and is just holding the fucking vampire cape in front of his face the whole time. Like, that's one of the most iconic ones that I can think of. Yeah. In film history, that's like comedic. Uh, but then to like uh, tie it into some other stuff we've seen, um, it's, it's usually frowned upon to do this in films now because of the actor's rights to their portrayal. Cause like, what is to stop a studio from 
just hiring a stand-in and having them portray the character uh, when the actor isn't available and then just changing large portions of the film and maybe even, like, taking, like, the character in a completely different direction. Uh, something like this happened with Back to the Future. You had uh, our, our boy Crispin Glover, uh, who, who has some sick dance moves in Friday the 13th Part 4. Uh, he was, he was uh, Marty McFly's dad, George McFly, but for the sequel, they used a stand-in and, like, replaced him for, like, a lots and lots and lots of scenes. And I think he sued them and uh, was successful. He won that lawsuit because they, uh, you know, were kind of doing so without his explicit permission using a fake chimp. Uh, but here, Raimi's just kind of like doing, you know, what a lot of directors kind of do to save time. Like, is it a shot of a hand? All right, that's my hand. That's Sam Raimi's hand. Fuck it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but like, you know, they would have, uh, you know, the deadites and, and things like that would often not be the actors playing them in certain shots. And it, it, it's fake Shemp isn't necessarily like the same as a stunt double because it's not being done specifically because an actor can't do it. It's just usually done for convenience. But it's interesting to me that like that convenience might also be infringing on the actor's rights a little bit yeah. in certain circumstances. Right. Uh, so, yeah. And, and it still kind of happens every now and then. Like, you'll have something like, well, Heath Ledger dies and he's supposed to be in a movie. I forget what the name of that movie was, but, like, they, like, replaced him with, like, several other actors. Shit. And sometimes you have to do it. But I just found that kind of interesting. Yeah. Just to have a segue. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Evil now, Dead. Yeah, now time for the movie to happen. Uh, so here's our first creature, basically. Yeah. Um, so, uh, is it Shelly? She's completely transformed. Cheryl, um, but yeah. Cheryl? Yeah. Cheryl I thought Cheryl, Cheryl was Ash's sister. Is, is it... that the one that... Yeah, I think Ash's sister is fine for now. Oh, okay. But anyway, yeah, so... I could be wrong. I forget the order of, like, everybody. Um, either way... Is uh, this is not good for everybody involved. <laughs> now you have an evil being in the house. I'm not sure like how you become a deadite. Uh, do you just have to get like scratched by something? Like I don't know. It seems like Bruce Campbell could have become one because he got scratched and fucked up by shit. Maybe they just have to like possess your mind. I don't know if they go into this anymore in like the sequels, like it to greater detail or not. I don't remember anything about it in. Our it's not not too hard. It's it's not like. I mean, it's loose huge. in this movie because it's supposed to be mysterious. Yeah, yeah. It's still it still kind of mostly is throughout the entire franchise. That's fine. The the evil here <laughs> is very mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. So so then she just starts uh, floating in the air and uh, starts talking in a very demonic voice about how they've been awakened from their slumber and they're going to. Take over each and every one of you. She falls over. Mm-hmm. Falls over a deck of cards and a couple pencils. She's unconscious. Everybody's like, what the fuck? And, uh... Linda over here goes up and checks on her. And, uh... While she's checking her out, she, uh... 
He's awake this entire time and tried to bait him in. Grabs a pencil. And just shoves that shit right in her fucking foot. It's gross. Oof, ouch, oof, ow, ooh. Ow, my foot. Blood just pouring out. More than wood, but you'll have that in this movie. That's, that's everything <laughs> in this movie. There's more blood than there needs to be through everything. It's incredible. <laughs> what a splatterhouse. Yep. And then now we get get our, our now they they have to fight off fight her off. She throws everybody yeah. around. Um, Ash gets uh gets gets stuck for the first time. He gets stuck a lot in this movie. Yeah, he kind of uh, does. Alternate title yeah. for this movie is uh is Ashley Williams gets stuck. <laughs> Ash is under a piece of furniture that they broke. <laughs> yeah. So while Ash Williams gets stuck, um. Yeah, she's approaching him with the, with the pencil, bloody as fuck, ready to get her. And Chad shows up, hits her, hits her they have with the axe, and kicks her down into the cellar and locks it. His name's not actually Chad, I just thought it'd be funny to call him Oh, Chad. I know, yeah, that's, uh, that's why I'm calling him that. I forget his actual okay. name. He's Chad now. Uh, Scott, which Scott. is close enough. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, he's a Chad. Uh, <laughs> Scott's like a diet Chad name, Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's right, yeah. it's like, it's, it's like a Chad like Diet Chad. Chad Lake. <laughs> Same Chad, less filling. <laughs> Man. So she's locked down in the cellar. She's banging on it, taunting them. She'll remain yeah. down here for most of the movie, fucking with them. I love that she's present throughout all of it, just kind of taunting everybody and being an asshole. Um, I love the look of the eyes, too. Yeah, um, she's poking out. They, which they achieved, uh, so these demonic eyes of the Deadites achieved using contact lenses yep. that were as thick as glass, and uh, that took ten minutes to apply to the actors, and then uh, on top of that, they could, they could only be worn for fifteen minutes, uh, because the eyes couldn't fucking breathe with these fucking things on, <laughs> so... Rip those actors. Low budget filmmaking. Wee. Wee. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so you got last thing Cheryl over there screaming like, "What happened to your eyes? What happened to your eyes?" At this point, she's like yeah. completely transformed. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they like put Linda. You know, she's like passes out. Yeah, because she got, got her sleeping. Yeah, because she got yeah. big stabbed in the leg. So she's right. She's sleeping. Mm-hmm. And then you have the the evil. Running around again outside, creeping on the cabin. Yeah. And then it just Cheryl sitting in her room. And he busts open the window and grabs her. Yeah, it's able to just come in the cabin. Well, fuck it. <laughs> and I guess she's now infected or whatever. Uh, Chad Light here goes to, like see what's going on because they hear the big crash mm-hmm. and he's looking and looking and looking and then she like somewhere and fucking starts you know here we go again here's yep. another fucking one of these things fighting the shit out of them and it just like, holy scratched, shit man scratches the fuck out of diet chad he's all bloody yeah and now her at this point her face is completely fucked she like fell down like near some fire and it scorched her a little bit. Yeah. Taunting about that as he pulls her out. She's like, oh, you could have left me there. I could have gotten burned. 
And she tries to stab him with a big ceremonial dagger. Mm -hmm. And then he just... And then, so he, he has a knife and, and on, like, resting like, on his belt on his back, and he just pulls that shit out and like, cuts the fuck out of her hand. And then she just starts, like, eating her hand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's little moments in this movie where the Deadites, like, injure themselves. I think just to fuck with people. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Because <laughs> it is disturbing. Mm-hmm. Like, like the one, like, uh, I forget when it's happening, but when the one has, like, the dagger, if that, I think that's happening. Yeah, it's happening right now. Yeah. Um, she's, like, holding the blade of it, not the handle. Yeah. Which, so that would fucking stab the shit out of your hand if you're trying to stab somebody with force, but, like, fuck this, it. This Who is just a, yeah, shit? It's just a vessel. Yeah. It doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so she gnaws her own hand off, and it just, like, kind of falls on the ground, and then... Chad Light yeah. picks up the dagger from the hand and just stabs her in the back at the fucking daggers, doing all kinds of crazy shit. Blood is just like taking the blood and pouring it out of the fucking skulls. It's fucking weird. Yeah. And then we get some gross shit. Well, while this dagger's stabbed into her, she's on the ground and just like white shit and blood is just pouring out of her armhole that is new and her, and her mouth. Yeah. I wonder why it's white. I wonder why they went with this. It reminds me of fucking Alien when, like, the androids get injured and they have white blood. Yeah, I think it's, like, I think um, it's like meant to show you that, like, it, their, their bodies have been completely taken over. They're inhuman. It's not, it's not fucking human blood that leaves when they're some right. fucking something else, uh, which is creepy. Mm-hmm. You get a slow panning shot of him, like, walking up on her because he thinks she's dead. Nope, still not dead. She goes and grabs him. Nah. And she's to this point, she's all fucked up. Her face is covered in blood. It's leaking out. It's just slowly coming towards him. Chad Light's telling Ash to hit her with the axe, and he's, like, way too scared to do it. He's just holding the axe straight up, just in terror. It's so fucking funny. Yeah. And Chad Light just grabs it, and then uh, chops her to bits. Yeah. And literally cuts off every limb. Like, extra, it's extra bloody, and got chunks coming out. It's it's really fucking disturbing and blood splatters everywhere. Mm-hmm. It just like takes forever to do. <laughs> like very <laughs> deliberately unsettling. It's very cool. And Ash is just still because he's stunned by all this shit. Well, this is and her they sister. Have this, uh... oh. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is his sister. So... That's just fucked. Yeah, so I could see how he'd be traumatized. How yeah. he would should be anyway. Right. And uh so they kind of have a bit of a discussion here after, after the dust settles, I suppose. And they're like, what the fuck are we going to do? We got to get out of here. First, they, uh, all these limbs are still moving, by the way, that have been cut off. They are shaking violently. Mm -hmm. This is fucking just like, well, we got to, yeah. we got to bury Shelly. Her name's Shelly. Oh, right. They do that first. Yes. So, so they, they go bury Shelly out in the woods. If it's Ash's sister, then it's Cheryl. I'm pretty sure. Okay, Cheryl. Shelley. Shelley was the first. The, Shelley's the one that's in the cellar. Yeah. No, 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 no. They're similar names too, unless it's opposite. Yeah, it's know. opposite. It's opposite again. Well, oh well. I just saw it in the movie. Movie. <laughs> the movie. Movie. The movie. Movie told me in the subtitle. Okay. So, so anywho, uh, they're burying uh. Shelley. 
Cheryl Lee. <laughs> Cheryl. Yeah, whichever whichever one you want to go with, bud, that's fine. Girl, uh, very girl in in just you were named. man. How how so like is time non-existent for these characters completely? Because yeah. like the clock stops, and that suggests that to me. Yeah. Um. Because like it, there there's two graves that are fully dug and utilized in this movie. Um. And it, it takes a long fucking time to dig a body-sized hole. And they make it look even bigger than that for probably, you know, because it's a movie, so it looks yeah. more dramatic. But, like, I, I think literally just time isn't happening. Yeah, that, that's the idea, <laughs> is that time is frozen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, that's fucking So, uh, they throw her in the hole. And uh, now Diet Chad is like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Fuck this shit. And Ash is kind of like, how? Like, we don't, the bridge is out. And uh, Scott here is, you know, fuck that shit. Uh, he shows his true colors here. He's an asshole. He's yeah. just like, fuck it. Uh, I don't care about your girlfriend. I'm getting the fuck out of here. He even tells her to leave her. Yeah, he tells him to leave her, and he, Ash is like, "No, that's my fucking girlfriend." And so he just fucks off, but he's not gone for long because oh. uh, this doesn't go well. Literally, the evil force is outside, and it attacks him, uh, or the woods do, or something. Uh, something attacks him because he comes back not long after that, um, bleeding and grody. Something fucked him up. Yeah. And uh, Ash goes and checks on Linda. Laying down, laying down, quote-unquote unconscious. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes to check on her foot, and it cracks out in black. Oh, uh, she's now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she's super creepy and annoying. The deadite Linda. She had this like smiley face and she's like laughing constantly at him. Non-stop laughs the entire time. Mm-hmm. Even annoying Ash, he like constantly yells at her to shut. Mm-hmm. Um I, I so I, I don't remember like the order of like whether like a dude comes back or she yeah, wakes up. A, but she wakes up first and then uh And then he comes back. Yeah, so she's just like sitting there, like sitting down in the doorway. Just like giggling at them as he's dragging his completely fucking destroyed friend inside. Yeah. Like this dude's fucked up. There's bone protruding out, his legs fucked. Like this this dude's done. Mm-hmm. And now they're getting Cheryl's taunting them in the basement. Linda's laughing. It's driving Ash nuts. Yeah. Screaming shut up at them. Then he just, like, walks up and starts fucking slapping her. Just, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he is doing that. Uh, speaking of harm done to this actress, uh, like Linda, Betsy, uh, Betsy Baker. So she has this mask on to appear uh, as she does. She looks differently from the other deadites. It's like a pale, creepy face. Uh, so they applied this mask to her, and when they went to take it off... Uh, it fucking tore her eyelashes off. Ooh. And, uh, ow. 
Uh, so add another one to the total of people injured during the making of the Evil Dead. Probably just everybody involved got hurt some way. <laughs> and so he grabs the shotgun to go to shoot her. He can't do it. That's it's yeah. his girlfriend. You see him just like kind of give up. Mm-hmm. Yep. She uh she suddenly turns back on him. Yeah, it's help. it's just just fucking with them, you know. Yep. They're just being assholes to him. Wait, yep. He stops at the uh, Cheryl stops at the basement as well. She's going like, "I'm okay now. Can you can you let me out, please? Yeah, can you let me yeah, out? yeah." Nash uh, does it. Well, starts to that, do it, and then then Linda yeah. turns back again and starts laughing at him. He told him it's time to go to sleep. Think that they're mm. you know they're gonna fuck him up. Mm-hmm. So he just grabs her, and she's like not doing anything about it because I guess she's just like wants to taunt him and laugh. He just drags her outside by her legs. Yeah. Just like to get her to fuck off, and then he just runs back inside. <laughs> and then he tries giving some uh some some drinky drink to his friend. He's dead. Oh yeah, he's, he's dying. dying. He's done. He's done so. Which means it's only a ticking time before he comes back as one of these fucking things, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, but for now, he'll just be dead in the corner. Right. Just, just chilling on the couch, dead. Just hanging out. And Linda comes back in. She has a ceremonial dagger. Stabs his arm. But not good. If this wasn't the movie, that ripped a tendon. Would be oh, yeah. That arm. <laughs> Licks the blood off of the daggers. Gross. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Finally, some good fucking food. <laughs> she starts beating the shit out of Ash. She gets beat in this movie. Those were the yeah, cats. They're superhumanly strong and able to just toss people around like nothing. Yep. She grabs the, grabs the blade by the knife just to be more disturbing. Of course. He, he accidentally walks over to the trap, and then then he's getting he's getting grabbed down there, and he's he's just fucked. This is not good, Red Ash. No, no, not at all. But he eventually manages to rest man, manages to wrestle her out and, and stabs her with the knife. Yep. And like kind of gets it towards her back and pushes her down, and it stabs all the way through her chest. And then the white shit starts spraying out again. This dagger clearly does something to them. It doesn't stop yes. them, but it fucks them up, I guess. It's some kind of tool that can be used to fight them. Right. Unless they get it, they're using it on you. Which right. they try. Yeah. <laughs> so now that she's, like, unconscious, whatever, he knows what he has to do, judging from the last time this happened. He needs to sever the lips. Mm-hmm. So out to the garage he goes. It was shown off at the very beginning of this movie. The shed. Yep. And you get yeah. a you get a, a series of shots here that's uh, very repeatedly used throughout this franchise of uh, really really quick cuts of him like the chainsaw set up. Yep. And then runs the chainsaw on him turning it on. He's about to start sawing her, but he can't do it. He just tries to bury her hole instead. Yep. This is where we get that repeated uh, motif of uh, 
Oh, I'm just, I'm closing my eyes. I'm asleep, except it's her pretending to be dead and mm. Ash not noticing. And uh, meanwhile, uh, the basement deadite is uh, getting loose. Mm-hmm. Pops the hinges off that motherfucking cellar door and uh, is out. Uh oh. So Ash got, you know, a lot of stuff to worry about here. <laughs> yep. Linda gets up and starts attacking him. This is he's like digging a hole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, fucks up his leg a bit, and he grabs a giant piece of starts beating the fuck out of her with it. <laughs> yeah. Gotta use what's available to you nearby, I guess. Yep. And she chucks him. He's on the ground, and he just like he's he's kind of fucked at this point. But then right as she jumps at him, he grabs a shovel and uh, tears her head off with it. That'll the, do it. Yep, and then the body just falls on top of him, just squirting blood all over his face. Yeah, they really squirted a lot of fake blood on Bruce Campbell in this movie. Oh yeah. Uh, like it, it, we're we're not even close to done with that. Uh, took fucking hours and hours and hours to wipe off apparently. Because uh, like yeah, well um so I mean obviously it's fake blood, but like for whatever reason Tom Sullivan made like custom fake blood that looked different than what other yeah, movies like, have it, used. It's very much darker. Well, he put fucking coffee in it. Okay, so it's like super fucking sticky and gross mm. when it gets on you. So and who who did get on the most? Campbell. Bruce Campbell, but fucking literally pouring on his face. Part, uh, so <laughs> delicious. Yeah, nice tasty beverage. Yeah, <laughs> some Dunkachino. <laughs> <laughs> What's my name? Bloodachino. Bloodachino. He goes Say back hello and... to my deadite blend. Yeah. So, so after mm. Ash just throws a body off him, he goes back into the cabin to see what's happening, and he notices the basement's open. Yeah. And then an odd go, oh god, oh fuck, grabs the gun, and he's ready to throw down. He's looking around for her, can't see her at all. Trying to figure out what's happening. She and pops she, out from somewhere. Yeah, I she pops out from behind works. the door, and he just uh, he takes a couple shots at her, and it uh, doesn't do too much. He seems no. like pretty unfazed by it. Yeah, you probably gotta aim for the head. You gotta get that, that good head shot. Blow mm-hmm. up that head. Which I think he does. Yeah, he absolutely does. <laughs> but uh, then then he just gets back up. <laughs> and he shoots her in the neck. He just gets <laughs> yeah. right back up. He's like, the fuck? He starts trying to lock the house down, and he goes back down. And... Get ready. And then he looks up, and uh... There's just blood pouring from uh, from the pipes now. Yeah. Just just flooding the basement in blood. But not to mention a movie projector just starts for some reason. Yeah. Okay. And that gets ends up getting covered in blood too. Yes. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah. Everything's just getting fucked. The projector just turns on right in his eyes and he can't see. And eventually the projector fries out. 
And then finally, uh, gets attacked at the basement by the, uh, by the force that is now, uh, just ever so looming on him. Yes. He's trying to change him into He gets out of the basement, he runs up to the living room, and he's got his back against the door, and then, uh, Cheryl breaks through the door and grabs him. Yes. And I believe at the same time, Scott wakes up, too. Yeah. He shoots her, and then Scott wakes up. Starts choking mm -hmm. him. And he pokes out the dead-eyed Scott's eyes. <laughs> screaming. Yeah, it's some brody shit right here. And, uh, and then he just, like, he's got, like, he's got, like, wood in, in his stomach, and he just, like, pulls it out, and just blood starts coming out like a faucet. Yes. <laughs> I love that shot. It's so weird. Um, so it's... they've got him pinned on the ground here, and they're about to fucking murk his ass. But, uh, we get this, like, extended, very tense sequence where Ash is trying to grab the Book of the Dead he sees laying over by the fire. Yeah, it, it's by the fire, and he notices that they start smoking. He's like, oh, this, if I burn this book, it will kill them. Yes, so he's trying to use the, uh, the ring that he gave Linda earlier in the movie that he now has because she fucking bit it. Uh, it became a deadite and everything. And he's trying to use it to, like, loop it on a hanging bit of flesh on the cover and, like, drag it towards him. And it doesn't seem like that's working real good, but it's, like, all he can manage to fucking do when yeah, well, he's getting he fucking the shit wrecked out of him by deadites here. Uh, but he does manage to get it, and then he throws that motherfucking shit in the fire. Yeah, and they freeze and up. now we get some good special effects. Yeah. Oh, uh, that Cheryl here, like, drops the, drops the fire poker she was beating with, and it lands right next to his face. Yeah. Fucking great. Shing. Yeah. And then they just, yeah, they just start deteriorating. Yeah. Like some stop motion to make this happen. Yeah, it's it's uh, quite neat. Yeah. Um, just really like cool. they super weird deteriorating cartoonish even. Uh, yeah. it's it's goes all over the place stuff that doesn't make any sense. There's like maggots at one point and like uh just some weird fucking like goopy oatmeal looking ass shit. Yeah. Uh cream of wheat. <laughs> like I don't know what the <laughs> what is that? I, uh, there's no real rhyme or reason to the guts and stuff that come out of these melting deadites. Uh, but one thing that sure is happening is that they're screaming the whole time, which is kind of the aesthetic for this whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of screaming. Eventually they all just kind of like puddle out. Yep. And then... I'm sure. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's said a lot throughout the movie. Yeah, the, the literal forced. Yeah. So, Ash is, uh, alive. Ain't it. It's, it's and, gone uh, now. It plays some pleasant music and stuff. Hmm. Walks out, fully covered in blood. Tumbling out. POV shot. Force yeah. starts running through the woods again. Right in his face, and then it cuts. Yeah, this shot's fucking awesome. Uh, cool. So they did it with a they did it with a bicycle. 
so oh, the camera yeah. mounted on it and they rode it straight through this fucking cabin and straight at Bruce Campbell uh, to achieve this like one long seamless take that from outside to inside the cabin to outside again where Bruce Campbell is at. Uh, pretty fucking cool looking. Yeah, it's awesome. Great shot. Um, and so I guess fucking Ash is dead. How is there three sequels? I don't know. Uh, I don't really know the yeah. canonity of like how this works because Evil Dead 2 is kind of like just a remake of Evil Dead 1. Um, For the most part, yeah. And I've never seen Evil Dead 2, so I don't know if like Ash like stated to have survived Evil Dead 1. Like, does he know what's going down having Evil Dead 2? Or like, sort of, it's really strange. You'll, you'll have to see it, but like, it's. I'm sure I'll see how it how like, it shakes out next week. He rediscovers a lot of a lot of stuff about the Necronomicon. It's not like it's really weird because it's not like a like a full blown sequel. It, it does rehash a lot of stuff from the first one. It's really really weird. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like now that Raimi has a budget, he's like utilizing it to make like an even better movie. Yeah, is is basically it tries. The, the, the way but there's still a lot of charm to this original one. Sure. Yeah, I think usually the way they uh they uh explain it is just lost his memory of it or whatever. Okay. So that he is bound to repeat. Hmm. Uh, um, I mean, I'll know more next week, and I'll of course yeah. research stuff. So, but anyway, uh, I got some post shooting the movie stuff to talk about here. Oh yeah. Uh, so, after the shoot, it was time to edit <laughs> the massive amount of footage Raimi had compiled. Uh, a Detroit editing association was chosen to edit the film. Now, the main editor was a woman named Edna Paul, but her assistant, one Joel Cohen, would also edit some of the film. And yes, it's that Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers fame. So the Evil Dead and its cheap production uh, inspired Joel Cohen and his brother to make uh, their first movie, Blood Simple. Uh, mm. And uh, Ethan and Joel Cohen would uh, become friends with Sam Raimi and, and collab with him on his next film, uh, which uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. I think Crime Wave is what it's called. Um, it's a movie that has been forgotten to time completely. Uh, Sam Raimi's film after the Evil Dead 1 is shit. <laughs> like by all accounts um it's directed by Raimi and written by the Coens and starring Bruce Campbell so you'd think that that would kind of be like a recipe for success actually uh but it turns out that the studio kind of like fucked with it a bit and ruined it possibly and it it is what it is um which we'll talk about this in more detail next week but the f complete and utter failure of Raimi's second major movie kind of led to him to make Evil Dead 2 at all because he kind of like initially went back to it kind of out of desperation. It was kind of like a situation where he was like, I have to make a sequel to my successful movie so that I can save my career, maybe even. Because mm. uh, <laughs> I guess Crime Wave is a piece of shit yeah. <laughs> i've never never seen it never even heard of it until i was looking into this but um still cool that the cohen brothers had a hand in this um in in some way so the film premiered at detroit's redford theater 
which is where uh, Bruce Campbell would go see movies as a kid. So that's kind of cool that he got to, like, actually premiere his own movie there. Uh, Raimi hyped up the event and made it an experience. They They had custom tickets and wind tracks to build atmosphere inside the fucking theater. So he had, like, like more wind noises than are in the movie itself. Uh, and there's like ambulances outside the theater. I'm not really sure what that was supposed to suggest. The movie will injure you just like the movie injured everyone making it. I, I don't, I don't know, but uh, the event was a huge success with a higher turnout than anyone expected. And Raimi considered touring the film, you know, kind of like as a little show, uh, but higher success was on the way for Raimi and the Evil Dead. Uh, he showed the film to tons of distributors, anyone really willing to see it yeah. that he could find. Uh, and he met a man named Irvin Shapiro. Uh, now, this man had distributed Night of the Living Dead for George Romero uh, years back, as well as early films from, you know, some some directors. Uh, you know, they're a little indie. Maybe you haven't heard of them. Uh, Martin Scorsese. Stanley Kubrick. I don't know. I've never seen any of their movies. They must be hacks or something. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) Shapiro joked after watching the film, uh, The Evil Dead, uh, that it, quote, wasn't gone with the wind, but he saw potential, and he distributed the film. Uh, He requested a different title, finding Book of the Dead fucking boring. Uh, So eventually... Raimi and Shapiro decided to go with uh, The Evil Dead as the title, describing it as the, uh, quote, least worst title. <laughs> it's a good title. I, I, I think it's a good title. It's, it's fairly generic. Um, I could see people, you know, maybe, like, skipping it if it they is. were uninitiated because it it's is. just like, oh, it's just like the big bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, like well, what it, else are it you It is gonna... far less generic than the Book of the Dead. Yeah, I would say so. Far less. Um, so Shapiro was also a founder of the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. And as such, allowed Raimi to screen the film out of competition at the 1982 event. Uh, so Stephen King is there. And Stephen King attends the screening, and he's blown away. He praises the film highly. He called it the, uh, quote, most ferociously original film of the year, a quote which was subsequently used to market the hell out of this movie. It's on the poster. Uh, So King's praise held a lot of weight in the horror industry, and it really led to the film receiving a lot more mainstream attention than it would have otherwise. So all of a sudden, this little movie that some weirdos made in the woods injuring everyone involved is uh, kind of on track to become a, a big deal. Uh, eventually, New Line Cinema cuts Raimi a fucking check uh, that would cover all of the investors Raimi had to pay back, all his family members. Uh, New Line released the film unconventionally. Uh, I did not know this. this. This is kind of an unheard of act in the 80s, maybe more common now. But uh, they released it in theaters and on VHS on the same day, which is super weird. Um, it did well despite this. I, I don't know why they did it like this, but that's interesting to me. Uh, the film was slapped with an X rating. 
mainly for obviously the extreme amount of violence for the time. I, I definitely don't think this would get an X rating now, but you know, uh, it, it was still enough for it to get banned outright in several countries for years. Uh, and in fact, is still banned in some. There are some countries that are still not allowed to watch The Evil Dead at all. Although I guess you could just, you know, hack your Netflix and watch the USA version <laughs> in, in your country of choice. Hey, whatever. So the film grossed $29.4 million worldwide. Not bad for a little indie horror film with okay. a budget of only like 300k to 400k. It's shot entirely in remote woods. Uh, so the film was received positively upon release, but its legacy as like a true classic was cemented much later when people were revisiting it. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie got a 95%, which is pretty fucking yeah, high, yeah, and it deserves amazing. it. Absolutely. It's a good-ass movie. Uh, so it would begin long, successful careers for Ramey, Campbell, and Tapert. Uh, the trio would collab frequently, uh, uh, most notably, of course, on two sequels to the movie that we're going to watch in the coming weeks, as well as the remake, which we'll watch as well, and the recent TV series Ash vs. Evil Dead. And outside of this franchise, Raimi would, of course, you mentioned it earlier, find even more fame and directing the Spider-Man trilogy during the 2000s. Each film would feature a memorable cameo from Camel. They, they, like, he would always appear in Raimi's movies, no matter what, even in a small capacity. But now, as for Campbell, he would often take advantage of the kind of character he was known for portraying as Ash, uh, appearing in strange, strange movies yeah. like uh, Maniac Cop and Bubba <laughs> Hotep. And oh, My Name is Bruce, where he plays himself fighting an evil force. And uh, uh, sure, why not? I'll bring this one up. I watched this a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um, Bruce Campbell is in the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. He plays the fourth Aqua Teen, who is a chicken nugget. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he is on screen for like a minute, and then he gets eaten by lions. Uh, so whatever. <laughs> uh, and then Taper, for his part, would probably be best remembered for writing and producing the 90s TV show Hercules, The Legendary Journeys. And while working on that show, he would create the character of Xena, later spinning her off into her own popular show, Xena Warrior Princess. So Taper, with the creation of Xena, is kind of credited in spearheading a revival of iconic, you know, badass female characters in the late 90s and early 2000s. Xena really, like, spearhead stuff like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, even up to stuff like Kill Bill probably wouldn't happen without it. So that's kind of cool, I guess. And then Taper and Raimi would uh, later serve as producers for uh, Spartacus. I didn't know this. For the Stars Network, that's probably that was a huge success and probably helped them get Ash versus Evil Dead on uh -huh. Stars as well. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, which I will watch more of. I'm curious to see. It's definitely more in vain with something like Army of Darkness than fucking anything else in this franchise. It was a lot of tonal whiplash. I watched the first episode, 
and it, they're both on Netflix, like the Evil Dead movie that I watched, and then the first episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead. I watched them back to back, and it's complete tonal whiplash. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's nothing like the first Evil Dead movie. But uh, what are you gonna do? Um, it's it's cool to see the evolution of it, and it's cool to see Bruce Campbell still doing stuff, even though now he's an elderly person. Uh, but, but um, so that was that was the first one. I I assume that that you know this is. I don't know where this like if we're ranking it in its own series if it'll even be high. But like that's not to say it's bad. There's only four movies to rank. So. Yeah. No, they're, they're, all all of these movies are, are are great in the remakes. Is that going to be the worst one of the yeah, four? Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. So, what do you think the order is going to be if you had to guess? Because you've seen them all, and I haven't. All right, me personally, it goes um, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead Two, Evil Dead. Oh, that's interesting. You put Army of Darkness first. I love that movie for how fucking stupid and cheesy and <laughs> dumb it is. I love every second of its dumb ass. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we may have to do a compromise. I love Army of Darkness too. Like, I'm, I'm not so certain that it won't be my number one, but we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. I, I, we'll I, have I, to I, have a tiebreaker somehow. I don't know who we'll have to call in. Who's the phone a friend? Uh, Mark Toth. Okay, that's fair. I can he, go with that. He's probably going to be watching these movies by us. He usually does, so... Yeah. So yeah. that's about it. Yeah. We're not doing any real ranking, because it's the first one. So, yep, uh, it's number one. <laughs> is the best one. Wow. <laughs> and it won't be that, like, crazy, like, you know, it, it's more fun to do big rankings when there's an entry franchise. Like, we just got done doing Friday and then Batman before it, and those were interesting to to get through because you have so many fucking movies so it's really like a big discussion but here it's just going to be like yeah clearly this one is better than this one although this one's still good right i'm hoping i end up liking all four of them i don't know anything about the remake i just know that it's it's trying to be more horror than than really any of them tried yeah to be it, it, it's well made and it, it is it achieves what it's doing but it doesn't have that magic that the other ones have that that corny-ass fucking mm. good, over-exaggerated practical effect shit. Yeah, and also the uh, the super low-budget, you know, little movie that could energy yeah. that uh, <laughs> this movie has. Like, I'm, I'm so interested in, like, uh, probably learning even more production of it, because I love little stories like that where, like, you know, the production is, you know, operating on a shoestring budget, and just holding stuff together with like some tape <laughs> like just like let's get this production finished oh god it's gone so poorly and then it ends up being a huge success like i love stories and this is definitely one of those okay so so that there's two different uh documentaries about the evil dead okay the, the one the okay. one that i've watched is called evil dead the untold saga it's a fun one um, okay. It's a it's a smaller one, but there's a a much larger one called Hail to the Deadites. Okay. Um, that kind of goes over. Uh, it it goes like more like not just about like the Evil Dead itself, but also about like uh, 
the fans of the franchise as well, and like its cult status and everything like that. And interviews all the cast members of the original and talks about how like how it came up from the film festivals and shit. Um, it's premiering on the Fantasia online platformer online platform from uh, from August twentieth on. Oh, so it's not even out yet. No, this is coming out. Yeah, this is uh, it's it, it's that's cool. Yeah, so this is the one that's the this is uh, I didn't know I read about this one a long time ago and I knew it was getting produced. It's kind of like different tonally compared to the other one that's just more <laughs> about the movie itself. This one's more about like you know the afterwards reception, how it received its cult status, everything you were talking about before, and then yes. also while interviewing everybody mm-hmm. who was involved. It's probably gearing up for uh, next year, which I think is the fortieth anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to do anything. Probably not, because Ash vs. Evil Dead got canceled. <laughs> so, and I think Bruce Campbell has kind of said that he's done with it. Like, it's time to do different shit, which is fine. I, I, I'm glad that, like, you know, it had its remake and it had its moment, but, like, it seems like for the most part that there's not going to be more Evil Dead stuff, which I think is no. fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Sometimes you can end franchises. Did you know that? Did you know that you don't have to just make something all the time forever and just what? keep doing it? What? Yeah, isn't that weird? What? Yeah. What? Grant, there's some there's some things that I think I, I do want. Like, you know, like I definitely want another Friday movie. I want to figure those out. But that's because, like, at that point, you have 12 fucking movies. Like, fuck it. Give me, like, 15 more. I don't give a shit. But like, Evil Dead is certainly something that, like, you know, it's had a singular creative vision for most of it. It's been pretty much exclusively Raimi and Campbell. And I don't want it to really, I don't, I don't want to really experience, like, a version that doesn't have their involvement. Because even the remake did. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'll be glad to see it go in the interest of keeping Evil Dead a Raimi and Bruce Campbell thing. I'd certainly prefer that. Friday, you can just make a million of them because everyone's going to have their own weird, unique take. And who knows? You could get a weird-ass Jason X out of it. You know? It's possible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's... We have a lot of fun with this one going forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to next week because I, I, I really need to see Evil Dead 2. It's been too long Yeah. since I've, uh, like, it's... you know... Should have watched it a long time ago. I, I'm very excited. I absolutely adore that movie. Like, I adore all of these movies. That's a fun one. I'm glad we spun this and not, like, some of the other stuff that was on the wheel. Oh, yeah, like <laughs> Blade? We could have we watched Blade this oh. week. <laughs> God, the, the fucking... Blade is cheesy and fun at times. Blade's fine. It's hilarious, but it's nowhere near the quality of, like, what we're watching here. No, not the at two all. franchises we, we got to go through. I'm glad we got these two. Yeah, we've been watching a lot of garbage for a very long time. Yeah, it, it's a good change pace to have like a good movie. Yeah, instead of like a bunch of <laughs> mediocre ones. Yeah. Uh, well, that'll call it for us. Talk to y'all next fucking week for Evil Dead 2. Get hyped. Yeah. The second one that's kind of like the first one, but like again. Yeah. But like, but like bigger budget, so like crazier, hopefully. Oh yeah. Much crazier. Nice. Okay, goodbye. Kanye, drop the album, please. 
That ain't happening. I guarantee you next week it still won't be out. <laughs> Fuck. Let's just keep introducing the podcast talking about how it's still not out. I will do it every week. That is still not out. You're going to be doing it for like a year. Let's I can't go. Wait. I can't wait. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.